This is an audio sermon recorded at Highway 71 Church of Christ in Alma, Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth. We would love for you to worship with us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at 1808 Highway 71 North in Alma, Arkansas. According to all available metrics, my generation, Gen Z, also generation shared by many of the young people in this church, we are not looking good. According to a 2019 study published in the Journal of Abnormal Psychology, that between the years of 2009 and 2017, depression rates increased on average 51% for young people aged 12 to 21. Also, according to the Journal of American Medical Association, there were 6,241 suicides committed by individuals aged 15 to 19, with 80% of those being committed by males. And these numbers are from a 2019 study, and all this data is pre-COVID, whose two years of isolation exacerbated both issues, definitely did not help them. Also, an incredible 20%, or 1 in 5, Gen Z adults identify under the umbrella term of LGBT. And that number is only expected to rise, according to the local or recently released Gallup poll. Every day, I see more parallels from Gen Z to the godless generation described by Agur, son of Jacob, in Proverbs chapter 30, verses 11 through 14. He says, there is a generation that is curse, curseth their father and doth not bless their mother. There is a generation that are pure in their own eyes, yet is not washed from their filthiness. There is a generation, oh, how lofty are their eyes and their eyelids are lifted up. There is a generation whose teeth are as swords and their jaw teeth as knives to devour the poor from off the earth and the needy from among men. Agur, he neither minces his words nor misdiagnoses. What is causing this rampant mental unwellness within Generation Z? None of the older generations had these astronomical levels of mental health issues, though most often they lived harder lives. Their lives were filled with more hardship, There are many factors that manifest themselves through these portents of doom for Gen Z, but the main distinction, the main engine to increase their woes is that Gen Z was the first generation to be born into an entirely digital, internet-connected world. We grew up in it. We've been immersed in it our entire lives. And with this internet as useful as it is came the widespread use of social media, which has become day by day closer closer to the descriptor by John Bunyan called the byway to hell in his Pilgrim's Progress, a shortcut straight to hell. While social media is an unrivaled gospel dissemination method for the mature Christian, it is also an unstoppable force for confusion, godliness, that turns even the most basic truths that we have accepted for all of humanity, turns even those truths on its head, on their head. It's especially dangerous to the Christian youth who are still trying to find their footing theologically as well as socially. It is easy 
so easy, it's so addictive that to just mindlessly scroll until you, you're lulled in, until you drop your guard. This mindless scrolling is something I've done more often than I'd like to admit. And without even realizing it, we can winnow away our time-consuming, if it's not just mindless, downright anti-Christian rhetoric that preys upon a young Christian's empathy and desire to be kind. And to, point, to a point that even professing Christians cannot define what a woman is. As showcased by uh, Matt Walsh's documentary, What is a Woman? on The Daily Wire. Now, this is Satan's greatest psyop, his greatest psychological operation, his greatest tool to pierce to the very heart the 82% of Americans that use social media. In the midst of all this mayhem, all this demonic destruction caused by social media, we as young people have a safe haven, something to absorb this demonic cacophony while we are still attempting to mature, still trying to parse right from wrong. And what I'm talking about is the God-ordained family unit, as described in Genesis 2, after he created both man and woman in the garden. And I warn you, Satan knows the importance of this family unit. He knows that this is the basis of not just the church, but of all politics, of all social construction. It's based around this family. And he knows that, so this is where most of his attacks will be aimed. And I want to exhort young people of these audience, of which I am one, that while social media be, has become a very successful weapon in attacking the family, and dividing it, parsing it, taking it away from God, we are not entirely unarmed. I want to review tonight two passages that we as young people are most told to transgress, most told to forget, but are the passages that have most the sharpened edge of the Word of God that we can use to turn back Satan in this respect. Turn with me into the first passage, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. It says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that, thou, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. This passage is a reiteration, as well as expounded upon the fifth commandment found in Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Not only is this the first of the ten commandments to have a specific promise attached to it, as said in the passage, but it's the only one. It's the only one to have a specific promise of well-being attached to it at the execution of said commandment. A child's true disrespect for a parent was taken very seriously in the Old Testament. It's a very, it's an important issue. It's very close to the heart of God. In the Old Testament, some were put to death. Some children were put to death. Capital punishment was carried out in some of these cases of disrespect. Later, in the aforementioned Proverbs 30, in verse 17 of Proverbs 30, Agur, the son of Jacob, he goes on to say, The eye that mocketh his father and despiseth to obey his mother, the ravens of the valley shall pluck it out. 
and the young eagles shall eat it. It's pretty disturbing, pretty graphic word picture there. And I included verse 4 of Ephesians chapter 3 to remind us that this is not just a, a blanket blessing to all the actions of parents. Parents or their representative, the father, they have a responsibility to educate the children and to properly bring them up in the ways of God. The father is also expressly forbidden from provoking his children to wrath, which instead of bringing them close to the fold would drive them away from God, which we have seen happen anecdotally, if not statistically. No, parents are commanded to love their children and from the outpouring of that love, guide them to God and by doing so, protect the next generation of Christians from Satan's fiery darts. And despite what a child may feel at any given time, the Bible is clear. We must obey our parents. In the Lord was the quantifier to the phrase. To expound upon that phrase, I'd like to read a passage from one of the uh, Bible commentaries that I've leaned on heavily in studying for these messages. Uh, the Expositor's Bible Commentary by Frank E. Gablian, I believe is how you say his name. He said on the phrase, in the Lord, also this, in the Lord, as are the other, all this in the Lord, as are the other relationships. He references Ephesians 5, 21, 22, Ephesians 6, 5 through 9. Children are invited not simply to copy the example of Jesus when he was subject to his parents, but to realize that both they and their parents are under the authority of the living Christ. This is said to be the right thing for them to do. It is not merely suitable or fitting, but an actual duty. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 20, Paul says that it pleases the Lord. Obedience to the parents is part of divine law. Children need to recognize that some things have to be accepted, even though at the time they themselves cannot understand them. It may seem to the child to be inconvenient or downright unfair, but a commandment of God is not to be ignored without grievous consequence. On to my second passage, 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 5 through 9. In this passage, St. Peter says, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you subject, be subject unto one another, and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour." whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. St. Peter tells us to submit ourselves unto the elders. This flies in the face of huge swaths of anti-Christian rhetoric that is disseminated popularly through this world. It's this disrespect of our elders is an indoctrination tactic that makes us more vulnerable and more susceptible to their conditioning and their political machinations. A society that refuses to investigate the past or inherit the wisdom that those that have gone before them have passed down is a society that is doomed. This sentiment is further communicated by the famous quote by George Santayama, Yana, 
who said, those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat it. Continuing through the passage, the fact that St. Peter tells us as youth to be humble multiple times and further paraphrases Proverbs chapter 3, verse 34, which says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble, is especially relevant today. When one-fourth of the secular liturgical calendar, as it has been called, is made up of three separate pride months. This is further proof that Satan has designs and is attacking the family even to the very definition of the word. Pride is the deadliest of all sins because of how susceptible humans are to it. It's like sarin gas to our faith, undetectable, but a fast-acting agent that kills before it can even be discovered. As we exercise the brash confidence, us as youths kind of grow into, it's all too easy to fall prey to the gangrenous effects of pride particularly when, in today's world, it is touted as the chief virtue, which is a direct inversion of God's word. Also, St. Peter gave us as we, part of the most anxious and most depressed uh, generation in recorded history, he gave us a remedy to our anxiety. Cast our cares to God's feet and submit to his perfect care. For he, he cares for us. Does this mean we'll never face hardship? Quite the contrary, as seen through the history of the church. But it does mean that we have a rock of salvation in which we can take refuge in our most troubling times. St. Peter ends this passage with a warning, one we must constantly remind ourselves. Be sober-minded and alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him standing firm in your faith and in the knowledge that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kinds of suffering. We are not bystanders. We are watchmen. We are soldiers in this spiritual battle. We cannot afford to be lulled to sleep or inactivity by amusement because at that very moment, Satan will strike. He is constantly testing our defenses, trying to find a way into our lives, that he, uh, a foothold that he can exploit. We must, to paraphrase the verse 9, resist him, standing firm in our faith and in the knowledge that our brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kinds of suffering. Satan has used many methods of persecution and suppression to arrest the growth of the church from outright death in the early times to the implantation of innumerable heretics. But it could be argued that his most successful tactic is the modern method of pacification and distraction, which is the greatest example of which is social media. It is hard to be an effective soldier when we are constantly consuming an endless supply of nonsense, if not outright mistruths. We are the next generation of the church. Soon we'll lead it, we will be the leaders. We must take these two passages to heart if we are to do so wisely and according to God's plan. We must remember that in this stage of life, as young people, as youths, we don't know much. We must obey our parents. We must be obedient to them as they are ambassadors of Christ to us. They've weathered more storms than us and they've overcame more temptations than us. 
We do not choose our parents, but we choose how we react to their instructions. We must make the godly choice. And finally, we must remember to remain humble, sober, and vigilant. We play a very important role in the church. Paul said as much to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. He said, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. We must be that example. Do not let the siren song of social media pull you away from God or make you an ineffective soldier to our Lord and Savior, Christ Jesus. Thank you all. We hope you have enjoyed this message recorded at Highway 71, Church of Christ. If you have questions concerning this message or would like to set up a study, please call 479-647-2658. May God bless you.